everybody, and welcome to the Ringing Ear Podcast, the show hosted by two former record store clerks who are just doing their damnedest to keep up with music. This show is brought to you by KillBoringMusic.com, your ally in the crusade against boring music. My name is Joby, uh, formerly known as Kenneth Job. I am editor-in-chief at Killboring Music. I'm a writer, I'm a photographer, I'm a 911 dispatcher, and uh, generally dead inside. Um, with me, as always, my co-host in San Diego, California, the beautiful, beautiful city in the beautiful, beautiful state, the beautiful, beautiful man, Jeff Nail. He is the senior critic at Killboring Music. He has many hats that he wears. He is uh, already a dad, soon to be another dad. Well, the same dad, but of another kid. Uh, <laughs> it's, we're busy guys. That's what we're saying here. Uh, our aim this week, as it is every week, is to act as your guides through all genres, except for today, only one genre today, but generally through all genres, familiar, foreign, new, nostalgic, by chronicling our obsession with music, even through these, the, I can't remember the last time I had a decent bowel movement, years of middle age. But above all else, our goal is to help you, the listener, avoid boring music because Jeffrey Discharge Nail, what do we do with boring music? We force it to eat broken glass with bad brains. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is episode 212, and this is a very special episode of The Ringing Year. And it seems like I say that a lot, but this one really is. Uh, we, we, it really is. We kind of uh, we kind of pop our interview cherry, so to speak, here. Uh, we have Matt and Bill from The Hard Times. We talk about punk rock. Uh, really, the only restriction we put on ourselves is it has to be at least 30 years old, so anything 1989 or older, uh, which still left it pretty wide open, didn't it? It did. It was a very easy, easy process this time. Did anyone's picks at all surprise you? No, I think I think the only outlier was me. Actually, <laughs> there was there was a couple times where uh, where where it was awfully quiet. When I was yeah, doing that happened my, to me too. My picks. I I would have something I was so dead set on saying, and then when I finally said it, just crickets and tumbleweeds, and I'm like, oh shit! Well, that landed like a lead balloon. Let me lead with saying that this is, I mean, we don't know these men. We've never met them in person. We know their work, and it was supremely gracious of them to come onto our show. I'm, I'm so flattered, and, uh, and I actually already heard from Bill uh, Conway, and he said, oh, yeah, please tag me on all social media when it goes live, and I'll be sure to share it. And nice. I just can't, to me, like, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to gauge it, but in my mind, these guys are wildly successful. They're, they've got, they've got a... A number of things going on, and and I just I'm humbled that they were. Well, uh, I mean, not only are they successful, and, and you know, us, I'm I'm sure extremely wealthy, but uh, <laughs> any, yeah. anyone who has interviewed Brian Baker and Fred Armisen is is so high up in my cool book that like it yeah. almost doesn't even register. You know, I don't know anyone else that cool. So even though they, I'm sure they would disagree because they're very actually very humble, uh, I think they're that's cool as shit, man. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I uh, I also really appreciate how they're always giving each other shit. It was a lot of fun to bear witness to that. Yeah, we learned we learned some stuff about about them. About we learned uh, about Bill's uh, sexual preferences. Uh, <laughs> yes, we learned Matt may have uh, spent some time up in the Bay Area. I was gonna say I, I'm not sure if we learned where Matt was from. Did we yeah, talk about he, that? He might have been to some shows, <laughs> uh, some punk shows around. I'm not I'm not entirely sure on that. He might mention it. I, I can't remember. Oh goodness, excuse oh, me. I just out. I just farted out a toddler. Oh no, he's not. A, he's not a toddler yet. He's an infant, I guess. Still, 
by the way, he he actually was really gracious as well out your your kiddo because I thought he was going to be talking a lot and he actually didn't talk a lot even though uh, Matt and Bill were more than more than willing to uh, to, to bear witness to well, that. You know, I found out what the secret is. The secret is to make him cry for about two hours before we record and then he just sleeps through the whole thing. <laughs> like, oh, don't wake up, wake up, and you just flick yeah. him, you flick him behind the ear and wakes him right up. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, getting back to. The hard times. Is there anything else we need to say about this episode before we let it play? Um, I don't think so. Um, like you said, I, th- I think the biggest surprises or more most obscure people would be the uh, your picks. Yeah, I didn't mean to be Johnny Obscure about you know it's Mister Music Snob. I just right. really like those songs. Well, what I felt <laughs> so. bad about was that with the four of us, you know, everyone trying to get some kind of you know uh, t- airtime. I felt I didn't have the time to say what I wanted to say about certain things, you know, like especially like with yours and Bill's. I knew like Matt's. We didn't really know what he was picking until the last minute. Yeah. Uh, But I had stuff ready to go like that. I could add, you know, about most of the artists. And then just the nature of the conversation left me with like fucking, you know, 10 seconds to say something. I'd really like to check out Bill's stand up. He's a funny dude. I'm really curious. Yeah, I'm really, really curious what his stand up is like. Well, should we dive in and play the recording? Yeah, we should let everybody hear it so they know what the hell we're talking about. We've been talking all this time. Let them hear it, I guess, and uh, we'll come back at the end of the show and kind of review a few things. Yeah, let's do it. Well, listeners, welcome to the first Ringing Ear segment that isn't just Jeff and I disagreeing with each other. We've actually invited a couple guys on to disagree with us for a change. Matt and Bill from The Hard Times. Matt and Bill, welcome to our humble, extremely professional podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks so much for having us. I'm oh. excited to be here. So Matt is the editor-in-chief over at The Hard Times, and Bill is the managing editor and head writer. Now, I have to admit, we we rescheduled. Um, we actually kind of got bumped. You guys had uh, an interview for your own podcast. You had the uh, up-and-coming comedy sensation fred armiston armiston <laughs> yeah i think that's his name right no fred armiston which is pretty amazing but uh even though we really didn't do anything we're just gonna kind of take that as a real huge compliment and <laughs> yes, an honor we'll take it that we got bumped for fred armiston yeah yeah as you should okay perfect well for anyone who doesn't know which if anyone doesn't know i can't imagine they'd be even be listening because our Listeners kind of skew towards uh, punk and metal, but The Hard Times is sort of like the punk rock onion. And I've read a little bit about the origins of how this got started, but I really want to just make sure that this is correct. It got started basically spun off of a story you did, Matt, about someone who fucked a dolphin. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is just a follow up to that story. Um, It's just, you know, uh, once I wrote that story, I knew that uh, I had to just write more stories like that. And so we started The Hard Times. The the weird thing, the story, the part of the story that I don't tell most people is that Bill was the guy who (laughs) fucked the dolphin, which was... uh, Well, you know, Guy Fucks Dolphin is like the worst origin story for a superhero I've ever heard in my life. Well, well, people people Um, judge me for this, and I think it's unfair because if you haven't tried it, don't knock it, okay? Because, listen... (laughs) They're, they're now, are we, are we talking blowhole or are we talking some other orifice? You no, know, it's actually that was actually okay. my first question to the to the dolphin fucker that is Bill Conway, and he had a very interesting answer. What was that answer, Bill? <laughs> uh, 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 well, it, technically, to 
to have sex with a dolphin's blowhole would be a uh, a sin. In me being a Christian man myself, uh, <laughs> I, I have not. I would never possibly do that. It was only with their uh, reproductive organs, of course. Uh, of course, because, yeah. yes. <laughs> the nasals. <laughs> nasal sex is against God's will, and uh, that's been clear through Leviticus, um, <laughs> Matthews. You can find that all over the place. Well, we'll we'll, we'll fact check to make sure, but I believe you. Um, now, for anyone who wants to get an idea of some of the headlines that the Hard Times has uh, put out over the years, these are our, just a, a few, just a, a tiny few. I mean, we could list these forever, but just a few of our well, favorites. Before before you list them, here's here's what always happens. None of these will be any headlines that Matt or I ever wrote, but we will probably have edited them. Well, but but, but to be fair, you guys don't usually put bylines, do you? Uh, we we put the bylines of our contributors because um, we have a lot of contributors. But Matt and I, I also do. Well, you know, Matt and I both in the uh, write a lot of stuff. But anytime someone's like, "Oh, I love the hard times," I'll list ten headlines and be like, "Yep, uh, that one wasn't <laughs> mine. Nope, that one wasn't mine." So let's just see if this uh, trend well, continues. Oh, I hope it does. <laughs> there's one in particular. I hope one of you wrote because there's one that's far and away my favorite. I'll save it for last. Uh, punk parents blame child's terrible taste in music on vaccinations. Right, that one was mine. Okay. Uh, fourth grader already listening to the Ramones at an eighth grade level. Dan Rice. A drama-filled breakup letter, most entertaining thing band has ever released. That's my favorite. Mm. <laughs> That's a good. I think that was Louis Aronowitz, but I'm not sure. Well, my my personal favorite is irresponsible musicians leave bassist in hot van. Oh, my brother! That that's uh, that's my brother's right there. Well, I one thing I think we can all agree on, regardless of who wrote it, we we all agree that bassists are garbage people. Yes. <laughs> Joby, uh, so, fun fact: Joby once played bass in a band with me. So uh, yeah, I'll sign off on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now I read something that said for every headline you publish you reject somewhere in the neighborhood of one to two thousand is that right <laughs> mm, that's that's a that's probably a bit high i'd say one out of 100 uh probably 100? no no way man so there's you a chance to, you have to consider all the freelance or all the um all the idea inbox headlines oh yeah yeah you, with that with you, that taken into consideration yeah it maybe it's 500 but it, we i mean we probably get there's a lot of headlines that get pitched for everyone that gets run. Maybe one day we should try to figure it out. Um, I, I don't know how exactly we do that. I think that it would probably be between 500 and 1,000 if you consider our multiple different sources of where our headlines Gosh. come from. Yeah, if you include people messaging messaging us on Facebook and just being like, "You should guys should do a story about how trash smells bad," I'm like, <laughs> "All right." Uh, it's funny because cool. it's true. <laughs> Well, I mean, you guys are, are super busy. Again, thanks for, for squeezing us in because, you know, aside from just running the hard times, you're, you're also taking on all kinds of other ventures. You've got uh, a book coming out tied to the, to the uh, site. You've got a TV show coming out. Uh, is there any word on when that's going to be released yet? Or what do we know about the show? The book is uh, coming Oh, guys, out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before, I, before I, I let you go, I just have to let you know, if you hear any cooing or crying... Uh, any kind of uh, babbling like that. That's just me and my wife doing some light role playing. Um, we, no, I'm just kidding. My, I have my baby here with me. Uh, I have to do this with my kids. So uh, I'm going to try and keep him as quiet as I can. Uh, if I have to sneak off and get a pillow to hold gently over his face, I will. Yeah, yeah. Wait, don't let this be like the final episode of MASH or something like that. Being like, you killed a baby. 
he he's asleep right now, but he's stirring. So if you hear something, just don't be put off by no it all. No problem at all. I love that you that you have a baby. Please do not even try to quiet him for us. It's no big deal. Um, oh, you you might regret saying that, my friend. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> ask ask Jeff about that. Alistair does have a lot of opinions when it comes down to it. Um, so I'm sorry. Anyway, well, um, about the show, do we know yet when it's going to be? Release? I kind of wish I had a kid, to be honest. Sometimes I think about, I adopted a little dog. I think, of, I, I want kids. Bill says he doesn't want kids. Is that true, Bill? Uh, all right. So here, here's the here's the stone cold truth. Uh, truth. Uh, your baby there um, is going to have a, a a real rough life of no water and food coming up in forty years, and I'll just kill myself before that happens. Mm. Uh, so hey, there it I is. Don't know uh, that. Hey, sorry guys. I got. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna just talk a little reality. Um, no, I just I, I'm too selfish. I don't want kids. This explains the dolphin thing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> guy, guy reads one fucking science journal article and starts. <laughs> yeah, it, it, <laughs> he thinks there's gonna be no, no water. Is what he thinks gonna happen? It was from realworldclimatefacts.biz, so I think that's a, a reputable source. <laughs> uh, Bill, one of the greatest resources this planet has is uh, human capital. How do you know that your son? or daughter wouldn't be the human capital that ends up fixing climate change for everyone. How do you know that your son or daughter would be the uh, a baggage on the earth instead of a s- part of the solution? Um, I'm just going to go with uh, the the gene pool that I've seen in my family and just say, we're good. We're good there. <laughs> <laughs> That's very wise. <laughs> um, our book is coming out late 2019 and our tv show totally to be determined it's very hard to sell a tv show so we're still trying you do have uh, you have a, a star lined up right you have we have a whole bunch of stuff lined up but the the whole thing is is that like our book is a contract that we already signed we it's going to be in barnes and nobles it's going to be all over the fucking place the tv show we uh walk it around town and people say get the fuck out of my office <laughs> hollywood baby uh, don't set your DVRs quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and speaking of writing, you know, I was, uh, before we got totally derailed, I was uh, just mentioning all the other things you have going on, and you also have uh, put out something called Outvoice, which it seems simple, but I, I guess is it hyperbole to say it's revolutionary in the way freelance writers and photographers get paid by publishers? I think it is uh, revolutionary in more of the true sense of the world of the word meaning like you know a lot of tech companies use the word revolutionary this is a little bit like of a <laughs> like a writer's revolt a bit uh ra- wrapped <laughs> right. up into a company um i was a full-time freelancer and then i was a salaried editor at sf weekly and then i became a publisher at all those different places i noticed there was like this really nagging, annoying problem that just wasted incredible amounts of time and made me hate my job and all those different in all those different positions I held. And it was this notion of how do we pay our freelance uh, content contributors? Um, it sounds like it should something that should be simple. You know, I'm only 28 and I was raised in a world where you went out with your friends and you, you got some burgers, you split the bill, you just PayPal someone, you Venmo someone, you know, uh, you want to buy a band's merch on the internet, you throw your PayPal at them, and everything just felt very easy and clean and simple. And then I'd write for these magazines, these like digital first, multimedia, like, you know, multi-billion dollar online entities. 
And in order to pay me the 75 bucks or 150 bucks that they were giving me, I had to fill out a crazy amount of forms and and scan them and sign them and send them off in an email. And then they'd tell me, oh, we forgot. Actually, we're changing our system. Can you sign this thing now? Then they, they, my editor would take that and they would wait a month and then file it to the county department. The county department would like send the mail out but or send the check out but then get lost in the mail and it's like I ended up getting like a check in the mail like you know three months later and I'm just thinking this is fucking yeah weird it's like archaic and uh it just seems it seems like a relic you know um like like they designed it back when there was like little boys uh like uh in news newsboy hats being like get your papers here your papers <laughs> yeah we got your news of the day um, <laughs> so I really just... but one thing you should know about Matt Matt is also the man of a thousand voices so he's going to be doing a lot <laughs> nice. of impressions throughout this uh, in uh, characters like like newsboy number one <laughs> and so I just really felt like when we had our own publication Bill and I co-founded this publication together and when it started going really well there was a couple different things that I had a kind of little things that I wanted to change I wanted to make my publication better than the ones that I worked at and so now if you write for hard times you're paid in a way that's more not you're not paid more but you're paid in a way that's more reasonable and more up to date than if you write for the New York Times if you write for Rolling Stone if you write for Vice hard times payment system takes a big old fat shit on those guys Um, and I like that yeah I wrote one piece for Billboard and it took the better part of the year to get that very small fee. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. The amount of time it takes, it's not even worth it. It's not even worth it. And the thing is, is you're following up with editors, and then you're wasting their time. And they should be making yeah. more content, but instead they're just... It's it's literally... I I don't understand how the problem has been existing for this long. And, uh, you know, some publications have kind of fixed it. There's a, there's a couple places I've written for where they can, like automatically check who's been up on the website and they just send you out direct deposits and stuff. Some places have gotten around to fixing it, but there's no hmm. kind of universal, easy plug-in solution out there. And that's what we built. Um, so it's still in beta, but it's on uh, six or seven different sites now. And um, we're actively pushing for it to be on more. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I want to uh, change the publishing world. I want to make it a better place than when I first uh, found it. So that's part of the goal. I love it. Excellent. Well, you know, if anyone wants to just cut the middleman out completely, they can follow my lead and just constantly get rejected. That That's working out pretty well for me. <laughs> um, now, Matt, I have one final question before we really get to the whole heart of the episode here. Uh, just real quick, do you have a favorite suplex? Favorite suplex? Um... Oh, is this a wrestling thing? I don't speak wrestling. Yeah, bef- before we lose our partners, <laughs> hurry. <laughs> The best suplex of all time was from ECW. It was the Tazplex. Um, just, just uh, nice. so you know. Okay, I'll accept it. Maybe uh, some like Scott Steiner back in the day. He would make up suplexes like as he went. He would just pick guys up and just fucking right. just <laughs> drop them on their heads. And WCW, it's all roided out. I'm just gonna go with the Scott Steiner made up made up suplex. Perfect. Well, I just, Jeff, I apologize. I didn't know that question was going to take that long because Jeff, I think, is the only one who really has no clue what the hell we're talking about right now. Hey, I'm here to learn. Uh, I'm here to learn. Okay, good deal. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, what we do on the show, we obsess about music of all kinds, um, mostly through the crusty middle-aged lens of uh, 40-year-olds that we are. Uh, We're curious, guys, how 
adulthood changed your relationship with music, if if it did at all? Uh, for me, um, I, I go back and I, I listen to music that I listened to in my teenage years, and I, I still love it. But like uh, uh, for the past, I don't know, five years, there's probably like two new-ish bands that I've ever even listened to. Like I'm just out of touch like i still will hear something and be like oh that sounds cool but i don't get as like excited about things anymore it's probably because there's such a vast back catalog of things that i've enjoyed where it's just like do i need 20 years of music uh you know like uh where you first discover music and you're you're filling up like an empty well basically but once the well runneth over uh at least that's how i kind of have it in my head so yeah i've probably uh, you know, I'm just an, an old man still listening to the same shit I listened to when I was 15. And Matt, what about you? You still kind of following that same that same area from about your teens to your tw- early 20s? Um, I think the main thing that changed for me was I stopped playing in active bands. Um, so when I was younger, I was always in a band and we'd go on tour and uh, I would be at shows multiple times a weekend and... Uh, that was pretty much my whole life. And uh, as I got older, my job and stuff started to take away a lot of my time and energy. And also, you know, I got burnt out. I got jaded. Um, being really involved with the scene can actually, like, it can shorten your time span in there. If you start booking shows, um, that's, you start to see, like, a kind of like a shitty side of everyone. Instead of just being able to enjoy mm-hmm. bands, you have to, like, meet the bands and hang out with them and hear how shitty they are. Um, and uh, yeah, so I kind of, I kind of got disheartened, and then also I kind of had less time on my hands. So I think as I've gotten older, I'm just a little, I'm still around, um, but a little bit less. Like I used to be the type of guy where, you know, I was booking shows all the time. My friends' bands would be coming to town, and they would sleep at my place, and I was like, you know, um, for a certain segment of the scene, like hardcore scene, particularly straight edge scene. You were coming to the Bay Area. I was like one of the guys or the guy that you were hitting up uh, because I would book a show and make sure there's people there and find a spot and make a flyer and um, you'd sleep at my place and I'd buy you food, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and now I just I do I still do that a little bit, but um, I do it with hard times. And we have Nick Bain, a very talented guy who uh, does all of our actual booking. Um, so in general, I'm just like a little bit less productive member of the scene. I used to be like, I had a zine, you know what I mean? Like I had a zine, I was walking around covering local bands and like super, super into it. You can't really sustain being into it for that long. Um, now I'm sure there's, there's just some other guy kind of like me who's doing all the same stuff. Did anything change as far as the types of music you listen to? Like what genres or has it just stayed consistent? through the years when I um so I, I grew up like pretty ignorantly like I was uh, very into street punk and like I really rejected a lot of other subgenres of uh punk and alternative culture in general like I didn't like a lot of the music Bill was listening to like the stuff that was heavy on the breakdowns I called it like you know new agey hardcore I was more like just into the 80s style hardcore um yeah, well, and, and I'm busy uh, moshing it up and like tearing people apart in the pit. You know, Matt's sitting there yeah. in his uh, his push pits and grabbing his buddies by their leather jacket and just shaking them and thinking he's tough. Right. Uh, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, as I grew up, uh, I got a job as the uh, be- I I became a journalist and people looked at me like the music guy. I got a little bit like 
um, I don't know what the word is, uh, pigeonhole or something, into being like the music guy because I played in bands and I interviewed musicians and shit. And I ended up becoming the music editor of SF Weekly. And then I felt this really deep responsibility to the city to cover types of music that they weren't just my personal preference, but that would be everyone's preference. So that's when I got into like jazz fusion and fucking everything um, and covering all these nice. sorts of things and going out and experiencing. I go to like dance music shows and shit, um, electronica, just really trying to branch out into everything and understand it for its own merits. Um, so that's kind of where mm-hmm. I am now. I don't listen to those things super regularly. I mostly just listen to like Destiny's Child, to be honest, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I definitely know a lot more than I did when I was a kid. And Bill, what about you? Are you have you branched out any or are you kind of in your comfort zone still? Uh, yeah, by branching out, like the, my, my wife will, will likes a lot of, you know, like the modern contemporary. Yeah, I, I don't it's not hip hop by any means, um, but like the, the I don't know uh, what to even classify it as. And like I'll listen to that and be like, this isn't offensive to my ears. This is perfectly fine, but it's nothing I would like <laughs> put on. Uh, you know, on my own or anything like that. But uh, yeah, when I first started getting into like punk and hardcore, it was only, it was only like old school eighties punk. And then it became, you know, grindcore and death metal. And it's like, then it wound back around to hardcore and it's like, all right. So yeah, there's my CD collection circa 2001 was very strange. If you were to have looked at it and being like, all right, you got, you got minor threat next to circle of dead children and Nile, uh, and then you're gonna go listen to dying <laughs> fetus on your on your way to work, and then wrap it up by listening to the saves of the day. Uh, that's kind of strange, but yeah, that's uh, it's uh, it's what it's what we did. Well, you're in the right place. Um, what we do, our, we call our main segment the elephant in the room, and that's where we discuss, uh, if we're lucky, a thought provoking uh, musical related topic. And uh, this week, since uh, we're having you guys on, in your honor, we're going ahead and going with punk rock, uh, what we're calling well-aged punk rock, anything that's at least 30 years old, 89 and before. Uh, you know, we, we cover a lot of topics weekly, all, you know, all genres, all ty- types of things, but this is really uh, kind of our wheelhouse. And, and Jeff, I don't know about you, but this was almost so easy that it was hard. I, I, did you have any trouble coming up with anything for no, this? No, this is what we could, this is the same thing as our metal episode where it's, this is just a circle jerk. <laughs> and yet there's no circle jerks on this episode. What the hell? <laughs> oh, damn. Well, there's Keith. I think there's Keith Morris coming up at least. Well, I just was afraid. Of, well, I mean, even though I, uh, I, I still have a little bit of a crossover uh, with Bill, I was trying not to pick anything too obvious. I, I knew uh, that at least one band in particular would be on your list. So I was trying to uh, just make sure I didn't miss anything. And I actually turned up a band I hadn't heard in ages and I actually kind of forgot about. So it's kind of cool in that regard. And Bill, I know you you had emailed us. Uh, you didn't even have any problem at all. You you had three right off the top of your head. And uh, turns out we have a little uh, crossover. Like I said, uh, you and I both picked uh, Minor Threat. And I know that's one of your favorite bands. Is it your very favorite band, would you say? I think if you were to classify by importance or something like that, you know, like most influential minor threats. I mean, I have two minor threat tattoos versus zero any other bands, you know. So um, I I think by that metric alone, we'd have to say minor threat is definitely. And I mean, they have 26 songs total and 
26 very listenable songs you know like there's uh, yeah. a couple of them aren't as good as the other uh, but i don't think there's a single thing i skip when i listen to the complete discography i mean oh, this is total garbage get this crap out of here right <laughs> um, yeah well the, the song that you singled out is also the same one i had singled out in my eyes why did you pick that song uh i, I just think that it, that's kind of like as far as a hardcore song is concerned it's kind of just a uniquely paced song like how it goes mm-hmm. through i i can't really uh think of any other songs that kind of go through that motion that it goes through it's not like straightforward or anything like that it has straightforward yeah. hardcore parts but it's it's in and out of its heaviness but the the messaging behind it i, I am a straight edge guy matt straight edge as well but i think this is the biggest like fuck you song uh as far mm. as um being a straight edge person with you know the earliest fuck you song for straight edge because it's just here's your here's your reasoning for doing shit here's uh here's a reason you're a fucking idiot and uh i'm all about it Yeah, I think it's one of their more interesting songs. I mean, I, I love Minor Threat, but a lot of their songs are just, you know, 70 seconds of just buzzsaw to the face. And this one's a little different. They actually change it up a little bit. It's more dynamic. It's got some build and release. I just, yeah, I like the way it does that. Have you ever heard Rage Against the Machine's cover of this? Yeah, I, I th- and I think... Zach De La Roca is an interesting person, like because I've heard that he was straight edge or might still be straight edge uh, or something like that. And uh, but like I think they did the song uh, justice with uh, how, how they how they did it. I, I like that cover. I was actually surprised. I didn't expect to uh, to like it, but it was it was not bad. I mean, they yeah they held their own. Yeah. Uh, there is a video of Moby uh, covering this and he has to read the lyrics off of a sheet of paper while he's covering it. And I was like, this is this <laughs> yeah. is pathetic. Come on, Moby, just remember the 90 words to this song. <laughs> <laughs> if that, right? Yeah. This may backfire on me, but I just want to call Joby out in, in front of you guys that Joby doesn't like Fugazi. <laughs> no, I do not. Hold on. Hold, do you guys... hold the phone. Uh, I also do not like Fugazi. Really? Why? Yep. Why do you not like Fugazi? I think a lot of it, I think they have one or two good songs and the rest sounds like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Ouch. Matt, Matt, you, you like Fugazi, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, All right. Bill, if you ever find yourself in Wichita, Kansas, you've got a place to stay, my friend. Uh, I, <laughs> I actually have not really heard that many people talk about not liking Fugazi. Um, yeah. If you listen to the Repeater album, uh, <clears throat> what Bill just said is uh, 
patently untrue. So <laughs> objectively, <laughs> they, oh my god, <laughs> tensions are flaring. They they have they have a handful of good songs. I will give them that. But overall, as a whole, I'm going to say there's more misses than hits. That's true for any band. I mean, hits. What band has more hits than? Than just songs. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, so I, I would classify a hit as something that I wouldn't skip over. Like there's been too many Fugazi songs where I've heard, like listened to it and been like, it's this is too disjointed for me. It's too I don't, I don't know. I don't, I just don't care for it. I mean I and I really like Ian MacKay's vocals on most things, but uh, yeah, Fugazi just uh, doesn't do it for me. I mean, but the 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 hits are fucking solid i mean are you are you one of those act are you are talking about like active listening because this is like something that i always think about with bands is there certain bands that you want to like put them on and you want to switch around the songs and get to all the best ones and like hardcore and like you want to like think of the lyrics while you're you know nod your head along to each thing because the songs are so short like it's a kind of an adhd thing and there's other bands that you kind of like put on and then you like do something you know See, I, I'm the type of guy that would put on a whole album and just kind of go about my day, and I wouldn't be able to do that with Fugazi, like because uh, I'd keep walking back mm. over to whatever I was planning on and be like, need to skip this one. Um, mm. uh, <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I like Fugazi. Yeah. I like Fugazi. I like the I like the evens too. I did. I, I've been talking to uh, Ian McKay to try to get him on our podcast, and he told me that he was in the studio recently, and I was like, what are you recording? Um, yeah, he wouldn't tell, and he wouldn't tell me, so I don't know. I don't <laughs> know what he's it. working on. <laughs> well, Jeff or, or Matt, does one of you want to chip in with one of your picks? Uh, well, Matt, you actually sent us albums, so I'm curious what song. But uh, do you want to start with Operation Ivy? I don't have like favorite songs, really, if that makes sense. I hardly even have favorite bands. Um, I have this weird thing where I go through. I have like a whole bunch of bands that I like and then I cycle through them and like I won't listen to one for like several months and then I'll just have it on repeat and then I, I just I'm always cycling through. So, yeah. Um, and then I even find my, myself gravitating to various parts of different albums, like certain songs. Um, I don't know. I almost feel like it's like a fruitless endeavor for me to try to break down what Operation Ivy energy song I like. Um, I mean, I think that I learned how to play drums by listening to Sound System, so I guess maybe I could say that. Um, you know, I, I listen to that album enough where I don't, I don't, you know, just like that song if that makes sense. So I don't know. Sorry, sorry, sorry if I'm fucking with the format. <laughs> oh no, that's all right. Um, uh, you're so you are a drummer. Do you play anything else? Um, I like to pretend to play drums, but I'm I'm very rudimentary. Um, I played drums okay. for a little while in a couple bands, and then uh, I got bumped to uh, frontman. Um, and so I was frontman for longer than I was a drummer, and all my friends kind of surpassed me, musically speaking, as far as their talents were mm. concerned. So by the time I went back to drums, I still had like a fucking high school drummer, punk drummer style, when all my friends were like in, you know, global touring bands that they could just really play. Um, so it was pretty <laughs> embarrassing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm a drummer per se, but like, please don't put me in front of a drum set and tell me to play in front of people because it's not pretty. Okay, and Bill, you have you been in bands as well? Uh, I was briefly in a band that played one show, and then we broke up. Uh, and I was the frontman, and I was real bad. So uh, that was about uh -huh. it. That was that was back in Boston. Uh, well, when I first heard Operation Ivy, uh, I think a friend loaned a cassette to me that was labeled White Caps. You know, White Caps with a K, and I 
I think I gave it back to him because I thought it was clan related because the, 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 K, the K threw me off. When I first heard uh, Operation Ivy, it did jump out at me, though. I just didn't get to it uh, till much later. It was this like a, a, a discovery of your 14 year old self, Matt, or, or earlier. I really truthfully speaking, I didn't really discover very much of anything. I had an older brother who handed me things. He handed me an iPod filled with like 50 gigs of uh, punk stuff that he had downloaded off of Soulseek, you know what I mean? And, and he mm-hmm. had it all categorized and I could ask him which bands were related to which bands. And um, my friend Colin was also, he got more into like music history, nerdy stuff. Uh, and so I was surrounded by people who were introducing me to things um, as much more than I was ever just discovering things on my own. Like uh, whenever I interview musicians, they get nostalgic talking about looking at the liner notes, you know, and looking up the other bands. Um, I just had a brother and a friend group. I didn't have liner notes really. Um, I'm also from the Bay area and operation Ivy has a very big, uh, had a very big effect on the Bay area punk scene, you know? So I grew up going to Gilman and stuff like that. So, um, I think it has a little bit to do with where I'm from. If you're a little kid and you start going to Gilman, you're going to hear about Operation Ivy pretty quick. down to your your uh, first pick here what, what have you got for yeah us? we've got a lot to get through so i'll just we at least should mention our picks so i can uh, edit it edit them in later but I, i'm a big fan of uh, mission of burma which is, seems like so far removed from some of the other music we've talked about but god damn I, th- that's how i escape my certain fate is just a song that i i love my love for it grows every year I, every time i hear it i go this is just this might just be my favorite song uh, are you guys familiar with Mission of Burma at all? Yeah, I, you know, I like Mission I, of Burma. Yeah, they're they're a Boston band, right? They are. Yeah, so but going being from Massachusetts, like they were just I I I never listened to them. Like I I don't know why, but what I've heard of them, like in passing, like oh, I like this, but uh, I just never like dove fully into them um, for one reason or another. I think it's because the name of them or something. I'd always get them confused with another <laughs> band that had like a different name that was uh-huh. similar, but uh, like I didn't like that other band so much that maybe I, because I'm stupid like that. Like if a band has a similar <laughs> name to a band I hate, I'm like I'm out on them, uh, and I have no reason for that. But uh, I'm yeah. a dumb person. Well, they 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 are a thornier, you know, they're a less straightforward affair. I mean, they they were doing tape loops at, during performances early on. One of the members had to quit. The reason they broke up, a big reason, was because uh, I can't remember his name now, but he had such a, a, a extreme case of tinnitus uh, that he. I don't even think he took took uh, any participation in their in their reunion a few years back. Um, but but this song especially, it's it it's alternating between 
somehow it alternates between complete anarchy and razor sharp focus. Like this, this song is a gangly stumbling mess, but also somehow a precision instrument. So uh, I, I just love it. Joby, did you listen to this? I've been meaning to get you to listen to this forever. Uh, yeah, I did listen to, uh, I listened to that song and then I went to put on the, uh, the entire album and I, it lost me within about 90 seconds of the opening track. Well, that's very on brand for you. I'll try and go back to it because it sounded like they had some, you know, some interesting stuff going on, but that was a, a piss poor choice for an opening track. In my opinion, I, I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> take it. Well, so be it. <laughs> And Joby, you've got Poison Idea. I, I have to admit, I only know of Poison Idea because of a Pantera cover. Right. Yeah, they were they were the ones that I had actually kind of forgotten about. I I had kind of forgotten they existed, and then I went back to listen to that original EP, and uh, it for me it, it pretty held it pretty well. Um, it's about as far as you can get from. From Straight Edge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jerry Lang's wife was quoted as saying the reason they called their uh, full length, their debut full length Kings of Punk was because that was a better title than World's Fattest Junkies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know until not that long ago that this th- these are very large men. Uh, apparently, and, uh, yeah. Well, uh, their their guitarist is is no longer with us. He passed away. What? Uh, he, yeah, he called himself Pig Champion. Yeah. Uh, he named himself that once he hit 450 pounds. <laughs> I don't know. I'm which I read dead. somewhere <laughs> described as spectacularly fat, and I think that is the, just the perfect description. <laughs> well, I just like that, you know, he's sitting there at like 447 and being like, not yet, guys. Not yet. Like, I got the perfect <laughs> nickname queued up. Yeah. Somebody get me a ham. I can do this. <laughs> and as soon as that, as soon as the scale can no longer read his weight, he's like, guys, I got it. Pig champion and then boom a legend is made and his his fat fingers can't play the guitar anymore so before that was he like pig contender like what what was he before the champion there had to be something piglet champion yeah yeah Yeah, just you know he's he's still an in shape young guy at pushing 375 he's not ready to call himself champion yet but uh, yeah just looking at like the the band pictures of him like it's it everybody else is just eclipsed behind uh pig champion like uh, it's like oh geez uh but yeah large group of men in a way it's a really good uh you know advocate for being vegan or or straight edge at all on any level because you put any straight edge band uh their photo their group photo uh you know next to poison ideas and that's that's going to be a pretty stark contrast (laughs) well i you know i don't know how many guys were in the band but when he was at his heaviest the band collectively weighed 1,300 pounds. 
So wow. I mean, they couldn't even ride in an elevator together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I actually hadn't uh, heard it's an action, Joby. Um, it's a frenetic pace. It's it's a lot dirtier than uh, than anything else we've talked about so far. I think. Yeah. I, I it it's just uh, something about it. It's got this energy. I mean, it's all dirty and fast and whatnot. But you know, there's some better known songs. But that's the one that just kind of kind of spoke to me. Did you listen to the whole EP or any of their other stuff? Uh, I think I let it play for a little while, but it it, it wasn't really it didn't really get me on the on the fly. It's okay. Well, I I found a quote from a, a a writer from the Portland Mercury, and he called them an ugly band for ugly people. And if that's not befitting for for <laughs> sure. a band I would like, I don't know what is. Sure. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of an ugly scene they came up in. I actually did a little bit of a. Reporting and research. Uh, I'm a big uh, Poison Idea fan. Um, Portland scene was pretty uh, uh, during that time period. is pretty rife with Nazis. Um, um, what was a uh, what was the Meltzer or Metzer Metzer? What was that Nazi guy? I think his last name was Metzer. Is that right? Have you guys heard this name? Tom so Metzger. I, I, it may be. Oh wait. It, um... God, I, I, he, it's, is it the guy that wrote for Vice, too, Matt? Is that the guy you're t- thinking about? Or is this no, an older guy? That's McGinnis. No, no, it's a di- there was a different... It wasn't It wasn't uh, like a Vice founder. There was just a guy that... Maybe it was like Jim Goad or something like that is the guy I'm thinking of. But uh, Oh, I don't know. I don't, okay, I, I, I figured him out. It's Tom Metzger. Tom Metzger was an American white supremacist, skinhead leader, and former Klansman. Founded White Aryan Resistance. Um... I was talking to some guys who were part of that scene, um, and they were telling me that uh, Metzer actually sent up a representative to meet with all the skinheads up there um, and try to convert them, like the wayward kids who were junkies and shit and had nothing going on, and uh, they like would turn them into little Nazis. Um, there's a book written about it that I bought. I think it's called 100 Little Hitlers or something like that. Isn't Catchy he what title. Uh, American History X is loosely based on? Like Stacey Keach's character yeah. is loosely based on this guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That sounds that's familiar. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, and so um, that whole scene was like very wrapped up in that. Um, you know, just, you know, not obviously all of them, but it was just an element of the scene. There's always hot spots for that shit. And uh, it's interesting to see how those bands' histories evolve and how they try to shy away from their connections and such. Um, I'm not trying to say Poison Ideas, Nazis, or anything like that, but uh, the scene that they were a part of was a particularly hateful one. And uh, the first show I ever got at Gilman was um, by... uh, It was given to me by a guy who played in a band, Troublemaker. His name was Garrett. Uh, He was a great guy. Uh, The time I met him, he was like probably, I don't know... 45 or something and I actually went to school with his son he's a hardcore dude and super kind to me and all my friends and stuff and then uh, I started listening to his old band they were called Lockjaw and uh, you know the songs are fucking killer I love Lockjaw um, I ended up meeting some of those guys but I started asking them kind of about that stuff and uh, I mean one you know they're not like that anymore at all or if they ever were but like, if you look back at those times, super sketchy in the '80s in Portland. There's a lot of fucking nefarious characters about. I had lived in Portland for six years, and a lot of people still talked about, you know, like at one point, like uh, I think Integrity hasn't played Portland for a long time because they got beat up by a bunch of skinheads and like run out of town um, one night. But 
Yeah, it's it's come back. It's a, a bunch of goobers that live over across the Washington border that don't even live in Portland, but they just come over and thinking, you know, oh, everybody in Portland's a snowflake. And then they come over like looking for a fight. And then when they get it, they like kind of cry and videotape it and put it on YouTube. And be like, oh, right. oh, look at these. Look at these liberals. They don't they don't you know, they're so violent. Uh, and yeah, know, so it's just in they use it as propaganda and they're all silly little goobers, as I've mentioned. Are you talking about and any of them can come and fight me. Yeah, the Patriot Prayer pieces yeah. of shit. Um, you know, they're all they're all clowns, but uh, little crybaby clowns. But yeah, it's 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 a weird thing that's coming back. But I mean, Oregon was <laughs> the whole state history was kind of fucked up. It was founded as a white supremacist state uh, from people that yeah. left like the South and be like, we want a white utopia. And it's like, oh, hey, yeah, Oregon, ooh, woof. Uh, and uh, <laughs> other than Portland, the entire state still feels that way. Like Portland is a a blue dot in a red state yeah it's weird because you start talking about those old portland bands you start talking to those guys and you just peel away a couple layers and you're like all right yeah this is way different because when i when i grew up in the bay area (laughs) you know going to shows in like the early 2000s or whatever it was such a far gone conclusion that nazis were not welcome in the punk scene you know what i mean like really that was a conversation that was already had before i got there and it was done and there was just like 10 punk kids standing around, none of which were Nazis. And then they would find whoever was the most Nazi-like, right? You know, the one guy with one right-wing idea or something like that. <laughs> they attack him. Uh, there's like no one left to fight, right? Um, <laughs> the guy that wanted like welfare reform. And he's just like, oh, God, get him. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and then it's interesting to, to talk about these old scenes where – you know, these historic bands come out of there, but then so much Nazi stuff intertwined with it. Like when you read through American uh, American Hardcore, you just see like that photo of the, it's in American Hardcore of the kid with the swatska shaved into his head. It's really weird. I took a music class, a history of rock class in college, and uh, I was really upset because my professor talked about like Jefferson Airplane for like four lectures. And then when he got to <laughs> punk and, and hardcore, he, he said, he's like, oh, punk was like, you know, the Sex Pistols and the Clash or whatever. And hardcore was like a white supremacist subgenre. And then he just like skipped oh, over. I was like, well, I was like, what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but back to Jefferson Airplane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they became but Jefferson guess, Starship. But the, the genre does have more of that than the, you know, some other genres. So... on then uh let's see what should we go to next uh bill you want to talk about black flag a little bit yeah so uh my next pick was black flag nervous breakdown and the first time i heard the song was in uh the zero skateboard video misled youth jim greco skates to this song uh jim greco is a 
punk skateboarder. He he had a big uh, thing with uh, with a punk aesthetic in the early 2000s, and I remember hearing the song. Uh, this was probably my introduction to Black Flag, and uh, really enjoying this and then i went out and bought the first four years and subsequently did not like any of the henry rollins black flag after this because like i said i'm an idiot person and i get uh, very opinionated so like i was like i only like the first four years i don't like the rollins stuff um and and it's probably an unfair assessment but uh i just you're not in the majority there uh i mean i think roll like Damaged is, you know, a Rollins album. Oh, that that's is a Rollins record. Yeah. Universally loved. Um, but uh, for the most part, yeah. Like, I mean, the songs that are on the first four years that like Rollins re recorded, I, I feel like they're not as good um, than, mm-hmm. you know, these, these tracks. But uh, yeah, I mean, Nervous Breakdown for me, that's the, I, I can still, you know, basically I've watched that skateboard video so many times, just like know exactly what trick is happening when there's a certain part of the song, you, you know, like, uh, <laughs> so I just associate it with, with skateboarding and, uh, that, that video. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, the, the song will always have a place in my heart. Well, you know, that song, let's see if I remember right. I, I believe that came out in 1979. So it's 40 years old now for all the advances that have been made in uh, guitar technology. I don't know if anything will ever do for me what the opening chords to that song do It's shitty and and raw as that sounds i don't think any anything can match that no matter what they do what kind of amps they come out with or anything i'd I'd take that any day yeah yeah same i'd I'd have to agree there and this is a keith morris track right I, i believe so i believe this is keith morris on this one did you follow keith morris on to his other bands were you a fan of his in general uh no that's another thing like uh i i didn't like uh i like the circle jerks that i've heard but I mean, my my musical like th- thing like uh, Matt and I have talked about this where people, I think, kind of have this expectation where Matt and I might be like encyclopedias of music since we've done like the hard times and uh, but like there's certain records that I bought and like this was the one that will satiate me for two years and this will be all I listen to uh, and uh, mm-hmm. so like branching out into the other things uh, like I the barbers that I went to in Portland were two hard, like ex hardcore dudes. And all they would talk about is like the bands and the side project of this guy and the side project of this side project. And they only released a four track in 1981 that you can't listen to, but it's the rawest four songs ever recorded. And like, what are you guys fucking talking about? You know, like, yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's like fishing no, stories or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I kind of suck at being a person that listens to music. I don't know if you could write off uh, Circle Jerks as an uh, obscure band. Oh, I'm, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about like that. But just uh, yeah, Circle Jerks is certainly not obscure uh, by no means. No. Uh, but yeah, that's just an. I, I just never. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of '80s punk and hardcore that I just never dove into. I don't really like Circle Jerks that much either. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> yeah. One of the uh, the most pitched headlines we ever get at the hard times that we've rejected, uh, I'd say, low end one million times is locks of love shut down after Keith Morris donation. Like, yeah, we get it. He's got dreadlocks. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Real Keith good. Morris. Um, wow. Keith Morris was nice enough to let me interview him a long time ago for some article I was writing, and uh, he said that he would come on the podcast before the new off record comes out. Um, so, nice. good guy. But he also, one time I was at Gilman, and I was there to see Off. 
Wait, are you uh, from the Bay Area? <laughs> Am I talking about it too much? I asked him if I could interview him, and he said, I don't know, maybe. And then he didn't let me. Ugh. I'm uh, joking. It's totally, totally, totally reasonable. Think about how many people, how many annoying little punk kids come up to him. Can I interview you? It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Joby, I was going to ask you, did you get into Black Flag? Because Ken Joby and I grew up in a, a no-name town sort of on the way to Las Vegas. And and it was hard to find. I never really found Black Flag in the music stores where we lived. Did you, Joby, get into it as a kid or was it later? Did you grow up in Henderson? <laughs> no, it was in California, but it's still on the 15. We lived we lived in a uh, we grew up in a place called Victorville, sort of, Victorville. well, in the adjacent areas anyway, yeah. Okay. Okay. It's just one of those places that exists only Do you guys know where Barstow is? Yeah, yeah. I've heard of Barstow. It's about like 30 45 minutes south of Barstow. Victorville. Bar- Barstow. I I I've probably driven through them. You've probably stopped there to pee on the way to Vegas or exactly. something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, my theory is it only exists as a rest stop on Route 66. Uh, on on 66 and on the I-15. Yeah. So yeah, Joby, did you find Black Flag or or not, or was it later? No, it was later. I was uh, well, like I mean, in I was in my late teens, probably or or even maybe a little older. And my friend DJ and I, who was the bassist in my band, so you know, garbage person, uh, we would go down <laughs> to Hollywood to the SST store. And that's because he was he was a devoted Black Flag uh, fan, and he so he took me to the SST store, and that's where I finally picked up some Black Flag. Okay, gotcha. Which I thought was funny. I was trying to just re- refresh my memory on some Black Flag, and I saw that they, you know, I, I didn't know what SST ever even stood for, but it, it's because Greg Ginn paid for that record, paid for Nervous Breakdown with the money he made from his ham radio business, which was called Solid State Tuners. Right. That's where the SST came from. Yeah. That guy would play with a ham radio, wouldn't he? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think I've been to Victorville. It's got a very distinctly, like, its main street is, like, uh, very wide, and there's all these, like, packed, uh, like, packed very closely together, like, uh, chains, like Burger Grill and, the ha- like, The Habit. and uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I stopped It wasn't like that when we were growing up, but it certainly is. It certainly is now. Yeah. And, One and, thing there was a lot of uh, when we were growing up, and there probably still is now, is meth. Meth? <laughs> yes. I'm about to have my nervous breakdown. My head really hurts. If I don't find a way out of here, I'm gonna go to Tiffas. I'm crazy and I'm hurt. Head on my shoulders. It's going Is it is it uh, Matt's turn or where are we, Jeff or, or Matt? One of you, either either one. Uh, well, I'll just say mine real quick. Uh, this is a. It's funny how punk rock is sort of. It, it's it's populous. If it were a city, it, most of its citizens are, 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 you know, basically bands that exist for only a minute. And this is one of them. The X-ray Specs. Um, I've always loved Obanjage Up Yours, and I don't think I like any of their other songs. Uh, but honestly, what's more punk than a saxophone? I mean, uh, you're not going to hear that very often. 
Uh, this is a London band, mid-70s, first wave. Um, polystyrene, not the most conventional punk. Half-white, half-Somalian teenager who wears braces, not to mention Dayglo Wardrobe. Uh, she began the band for the same reason so many other bands were started, because she attended a Sex Pistols concert or two. And uh, a female-fronted punk band in the late 70s with a saxophone singing... I mean, I guess you, it's, I don't think Obana of Yours is necessarily a feminist anthem, but you, I think it was assumed. I can only imagine uh, how many people this pissed off. I uh, never really checked them out, to be honest with you. I mean, I've known the name, you know, forever, but uh, I've probably, I've almost guaranteed I have not heard this. I only listened to all male bands, sorry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You know what I know X-Ray Specs from? Was we played this game where we had to... Did you guys play this game where you had to go through the alphabet and name off bands and whoever couldn't yes. think of a band <laughs> lost? X-Ray Specs was fucking top-notch material in that game. <laughs> Them or, or X, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it was a short-lived band anyway. One and done. Um, their saxophone player is only 15, so she wasn't in it for the long haul. She had to stay in school. And then uh, well, the singer Polly, like a fifteen-year-old playing it. <laughs> then uh, Polly Styrene, she recorded a solo record before she ran off and joined the Hare Krishnas, which is uh, a, a reference to a, a pick that Matt is going to talk about next, I think. Yeah, Hare Krishnas were a fucking uh, stupid cult that took over the punk scene because the punk scene's filled with stupid people. Next band that I want to talk about is Youth of the Day, one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, all time, uh, wow. Yeah. I love you today. I've seen them live, and they fucking were amazing. And it was like 2000, I don't know, 10, which is crazy to think about how they're like still so good. Um, and they're like so healthy living and shit. They're still jacked and ready to go, and like full of energy. Yeah, doing full splits. I love all those fucking youth crew bands. But I mean, youth of today uh, doesn't get very much better if you're a straight-edge hardcore kid. Porcel's been super kind to me, and he has allowed me to interview him multiple times even when I had just a little shitty zine, but then even a couple times for Vice and stuff. Yeah, I love this band. I love huh. like everything about them. Uh, the song that I chose, uh, I chose an album, Break Down the Walls. If I had to choose a song, mm-hmm. I chose Break Down the Walls. I mean, that's that's obviously a good one. A different album, um, but my favorite Youth of Today song of all time probably is uh, Flame Still Burns. Uh, this is so fucking sick, the intro, the da-da-da, and then we're back. I love that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> We're back!
live videos are so fucking incredible to watch if anyone just like go to hate five six and type in youth of the day um such an incredible band we actually got a chance to book shelter for hard times that was an incredible band too uh message message of the Begabon or whatever they're talking about they built they burned hell of incense it's like it's so weird because like i just you know obviously uh, to open this whole thing up i like disrespected their culture really intensely but um <laughs> it's interesting it's interesting to see because like their mentality their their ideas and their culture uh and a uh, philosophy i don't think it's considered a religion i don't i don't really know um I pass out boredom whenever they start talking about it, but um, it has, has allowed them to live such a healthy and fruitful life compared to all their contemporaries. Um, yeah. So, like, if you really think about, like, you know, the, if you think about punk as like a place where a bunch of ideas are getting exchanged, like their ideas ended up, they've got the proof that they were some of the best ideas. <laughs> you know, we're talking about all these other bands and huh. people are dead and oh yeah, he was four hundred pounds and you know what I mean, like all this sort yeah. of stuff. And right. uh, <laughs> these guys over here, they literally look like they're fucking thirty and they look like they're twenty. They're jacked. They're ready to go. Yeah. They have uh, active lifestyles. They're they're happy. They have uh, positive intentions. They've got all this wisdom that they've gained. Uh, it's an interesting thing to see about how much better their ideas guided them through life. <laughs> how similar of, of a band are Shelter and Youth of Today? Uh, so Youth of Today is like their youth crew band. You know, it's more hardcore. And then Shelter is like, um, it's almost like they're experimenting a little bit with like, Beastie Boys rap rock tendencies, honestly. It's like a little like metalish. And, and then like it's got yeah. a little bit of like a more of like a rap rhythm to it. Um my friend Issa actually told me that he didn't let me listen to it. My friend Issa from Good Clean Fun, they were a DC band. He told me that he like ran a studio for a little while and that he recorded some rap tape with Ray Capo, but it never got released. Um so I think that there's some some of that influence in there. Uh, speaking of never before released uh, Ray Capo material, uh, I, I had a chance to interview him for a podcast I did. Uh, th- actually, the podcast where I met Matt uh, called Edgeland that I used to run. Um, I had the chance to interview Ray Capo, and he talked shit about Straight Edge for like 30 minutes straight. Then he stopped to talk to somebody on the street for about five to 10 minutes as I waited on the phone for him to, for the interview to continue. And then he texted me the next day asking me never to release the interview. So, uh, that was a lot of fun. (laughs) Oh, isn't that nice? (laughs) Well, actually, you know, so I only ever, I interviewed Porcel multiple times and he's a very kind, genuine guy, uh, very generous to this time. I never interviewed Capo, so I don't have any experience with him personally. Um, but that is a very funny story, Bill. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was great because you know uh, there there was youth of today being a straight edge band, and then like the rumors of Ray Capo breaking edge by drinking wine in Italy or something like that have like haunted him in online message boards forever. So when I asked oh, wow. him about the subject, he is uh, was not like, even though I explained to him what the premise of the show was well before, like, you don't have to do this. I'm asking if you would like to, it's like, yeah, I'd love to come on. And then it was just like straight edge fucking stupid. Uh, my mom doesn't drink. She doesn't smoke. Is she straight edge? I'm like, I don't know. You know? And just like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's fucking stupid, man. It, uh, 
and I'm like, all right, <laughs> chill. Uh, Jesus. Uh, you, you agreed to do this? I thought we were just going to chat. Getting old but um, staying straight edge is weird. You know, like uh, there's not that many guys who just remain like passionate about it. Like a lot of them, they just turn against it, but then they, you know, don't drink. I think if you turn if you turn like 45 and you're still straight edge and you don't have any criticisms of straight edge, you might that might be a sign of something like you're mentally limited. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, look for that in the DSM six. Yeah, exactly. If you're still like positive youth, motherfucker, with X's on your hands, like at your fucking office job, you're a literal <laughs> lunatic. All right, where are we at? Are we on the final final round? Yeah, final number two. Ah, uh, let's see. I guess I'm I'm at the de- the Descendants. Yeah, Milo goes to college, 1982, the year of our Lord. You know, the Descendants. I kind of came around on. I didn't. I was so extreme with my musical tastes at first that it took me a while to kind of drift towards anything even slightly melodic. I kind of got. I was more into the metal uh, before I drifted over to punk, and it took Minor Threat to get me into punk because the first time I heard the Ramones, I I felt like I just didn't get it. Because I, I thought punk had to be fast and angry and and just balls to the wall, but once I finally started listening to some more melodic stuff, uh, I the Descendants is really caught up uh, with a vengeance. I've listened to it probably more than a lot of other bands I liked a lot more at the time. Are you guys you guys fans? Yeah, yeah. I love the Descendants. Yeah, I, I this is often from what when I talk to like diehard Descendants fans, they'll be like, "You're an idiot," but I think "Everything Sucks" is their best album. Uh, oh, totally agree, totally yeah. agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that song, that, that album kicks ass. Although you, Joby, you picked Kabuki Girl, which uh, I guess Milo goes to college is a popular album, but usually people are talking about Suburban Home or Hope. But uh, Kabuki Girl is your favorite. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's one of the ones I, I thought would be more interesting to talk about. I mean, when it came, comes to Hope, um, my buddy DJ, uh, he wanted to sing this song. He wanted to cover it, but our drummer couldn't make practice uh, for a, a couple a couple weeks, I think. So I have no drumming ability whatsoever, but I had to sit behind the kid and try to keep time for him so he could sing Hope. I must have played that song about <laughs> eight dozen times in the span of two weeks. I'm so over that song. I don't. I don't need to hear it ever again. I'm good. It, it probably didn't help that Sublime covered it, and Sublime was all over our hometown. You couldn't escape that that band. <laughs> yeah, if you had a pack of beer, you had you had Sublime at your house. <laughs> yes. You know, one thing I was noticing, I I kind of was just going through some of the songs on uh, on Milo and and just trying to figure out uh, you know what I had forgotten about over the years. And what I noticed was like a lot of their lyrics, I mean, they're fine for 1982, but there are a lot of what would now be considered kind of cringy, like nice guy lyrics, you know, like the yeah. woe is me. Why won't she go for me? Why is she with him kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, totally. I wonder if that will go over as well today as it did then. There's one particularly you know? cringy lyric that's like, it's like gross. It's like, it's like you get horny when you like, or like. You want his cock or whatever? Like, she's like, what? Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's some really weird lyrics in that stuff. But he was like 14 when he was writing it, wasn't he? He was like super young. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, everybody was writing lyrics like that probably when they were that age. And, you know, the other weird thing, their bassist, Tony Lombardo, he was 20 some odd years older than the rest of the band when they, when they were around. So, uh, Matt, Bill, if you guys want to start a band, I can I can be the old guy. That's I'm fine with that. Really. Yeah. He'll even play bass. Uh, I don't know. 
I am a garbage person, so I'm qualified. I don't know. I might, I, I might be the oldest person in this room right now. We, we never know. Uh, I mean, I'm seven, seven years older than Matt, uh, so uh, we, we've made it work. Oh, you dear sweet children. How, well, so how old are you? I, yeah, I'm glad to say Joby's the oldest person here. <laughs> are we talking upwards I of 50? I am a spry 67 years old. Uh, no, I am 45. Okay, yeah, right, 40. you got 10 years oh. on me. All right, you're right. You're, you know what? You're right. You're an old, old man. The lyrics are, uh, so now you wait for his cock. You know it'll turn you on. He's got. He's yeah. going to make you feel the way you want to feel. When he starts to lie, when he makes you cry, you know I'll be there. My day will come. I know someday I'll be the only one. Right, I see no problem with that. <sighs> <laughs> kind of yeah not it's, off-putting off-putting the, the way that he delivers it too is he goes like so now you wait first cock it's like it's like oh cock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> about the descendants is i feel like they're just super consistent i mean i think a lot of their stuff is is pretty good you could pick almost you know one of a handful six or eight songs and and you know none of them really stand out to me as head and shoulders above the rest but there aren't a lot of shitty songs either i even thought their last album was good i I forget the name of it now with the the you know made up scientific sounding name i have the beakers on it hyperspasinate something yeah yeah. yeah, it was all right. I thought yeah. that was, I mean, that was way better than it needed to be for, you know, considering how old they are and everything now. Sure. Yeah. Hypercafium spasinate. There it I is. I didn't listen to that one too much. I mean, it's no everything sucks, but. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right it's not. All right, who's next? Is it. Uh... Let's talk a little Walter Sh- Walter Shrivels, please. Yeah, I, I, I went with uh, Gorilla Biscuit's New Direction. Uh, you know, ah. the, the first track off Start Today. Um and when I was, I don't know, like 10 years old, I somehow having a parent that was kind of negligent in a way, like I was somehow was able to sign up for Columbia House and get like 12 CDs for a penny. And <laughs> one of those 12 CDs for a penny was Civ uh, Set Your Goals. And I didn't realize at, you know, nine or 10 years old that that was the first hardcore album I'd ever owned because they had the hit single of, uh, you know, Wait One Minute More. I'm like looking through the liner notes and stuff like that. I see like uh, little animations with a kid with an X on his hands. And then I really liked all the music. And then going backwards, I was like, oh, wait, that was the same guy from Gorilla Biscuits? Like uh, like five years later, <laughs> putting that together and being like, that, that, that's weird. But uh, yeah, I mean, if if you don't like this song, yeah, I've, I've got no time for you. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I'll I'll confess here. I'm a I'm a pretty big Walter Schreifels fan, but I kind of glossed over Gorilla Biscuits altogether for a long, long time. I mean, I'll I'll buy any side project he does. Uh, I loved Rival Schools. I loved Quicksand. Uh, but somehow I only had a cursory knowledge of Grill Biscuits at all. And when I listen to this in preparation for the episode, I'm like, oh, no, this really is good. New Direction's amazing. Oh, yeah. going to have to assume that you guys uh, at least one of you must have made the shows in LA or Orange County yeah we we booked their show um when they came to the Bay Area um we did it at Gilman and uh they were super stoked to play Gilman um it's pretty cool Hard Times has been booking a lot of uh New York hardcore bands and uh those guys now they whenever they want to do something in California they think of us and that's kind of like a big thing that's kind of like a big thing for me um like we booked Judge and Gorilla Biscuits how long ago was this show at Gilman um, two, two weeks ago, yeah, last week. Oh, wow. Oh, okay, so part of this same like swing they're on, okay, yeah. So, like, uh, and I actually talked to them, and I was I met Walter for the first time last week, is a really nice guy. And uh, actually, like, uh, I know Charlie a bit from uh, uh, Judge and Grill Biscuits, uh, he plays guitar, and um, he's a big Hard Times fan. Um, and so I've had a couple of long conversations with him at shows. Um, he's a really nice guy, I like him a lot, and we're thinking about doing something, um, something big together, uh, the New York Harker guys and Hard Times. Nothing, nothing you can talk about. I take it. Oh, uh, I well, you'll hear about it if it comes true, right? Um, I, cool. I, you know, we'll see. It's uh, but um, we just we book a lot of their bands and like they're those are my favorite bands of all time, pretty much. So. Uh, when they ask me if I want to do something, I almost always say yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's a really interesting thing. Hard Times is like, if you promote something on Hard Times, like all the right people see it if you're trying to promote a hardcore show. So it's very huh. powerful in order to get the word out. We probably should have done a festival, but we we just don't have the bandwidth to do it. Wow. Are we uh, to you, Jeff? I think you're done, aren't you, Joey? Yeah, I'm done, and I believe... I'm done. Bill's done too, right? Bill's done. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk a little Bad Religion. Um, I feel like Bad Religion is kind of a divisive band. These not not you know in a big way, but I've, there's no shortage of people that that don't dig on Bad Religion, right? Yeah, I would agree. Suffer still seems to be regarded as the more important Bad Religion album, but for my money, No Control Against the Grain. Uh, that's that's where I'm most in love with them. And you know, when I was in high school, uh, I got um, Stranger Than Fiction and. I really liked that album. I still do, actually. I'll defend that, no problem. But I was I was not uh, aware of their back catalog at that point. And when I got a job at a record store, the All Ages compilation came out. And after that, it was I was all in. I mean, Joby and I have talked about this extensively on the show, but 
I mean, just in terms of listening time and concert attendance, probably one of my, it, it has to be like my top three bands of, of hands down of all time. Bad Religion? Yeah, absolutely. I love Bad Religion. I just went ahead and left Bad Religion off of my list because I knew that uh, that you would have them on yours and I didn't <laughs> want there to be a, too much spillover. So yeah, we're in agreement there totally. Yeah. I, I Want to Conquer the World is a song I'm going to throw on the playlist and it's everything I want in a Bad Religion song. It's a uh, ferocious pace, social commentary. It's packed tightly into two minutes or so. And, uh, you know, Bad Religion always using more melody than most of their contemporaries and... Uh, I think when, when I was getting into punk sort of late compared to my peers, I appreciated that. I liked that it was sort of an on-ramp. You know, I didn't, there wasn't like a huge translation for me. Even though I liked heavy music, it, it, it sort of took me a while to really get all the, uh, all the info, to get all the influences in, you know? So. Yeah. I love that song. It's on, my, it's on my rotation. I listen to it all the time. Uh, we went to, Hard Times went to uh, punk rock bowling and saw Bad Religion, uh, I think, two years ago and they put on such a fucking amazing performance i just like started listening to them more and more ever since i saw them and then we had a uh, brian baker on the first episode of our podcast that we started um so yeah oh how I'm, was I'm, that it was amazing uh i'm a huge fan of brian baker and all of his work so uh sure I, I was super happy that he agreed to spend time talking to us but yeah big bad religion fan i love uh, i want to conquer the world hey man of science with your perfect rules of measure can you improve this place with the data that you gather? Hey, Mother Mercy, can your lungs be improved forever? Is your fecundity a travel or a treasure? I also like uh, if I had to, if I was gonna choose a bad religion song, maybe uh, uh, "Fuck You." Uh, I really like that one too. A newer song, interesting. The one that I think is worse is they they put out one of those songs that I, all the punk bands do this. They're like like they maybe they sound clever for half a second in the moment, but the t- by the time they get released, they sound super played out and boring. They so the song uh, "The Kids Are All Alt Right." Oh yes, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We it's, we've sort of been talking the the, the the newest singles from Bad Religion because they've got a new one coming out. But I think, except for that one, the other ones we're sort of into, right, Joe? Yeah, I'm fine with them. I mean, they're not you know outstanding, but there there's nothing wrong with them. You know, I'm I'm happy with it for considering you know how long they've been around. They're not <laughs> shitting on their own legacy or anything like that. So that that's cool with me. Is uh, anyone like, in Bad Religion sixty yet? You think? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The the Briggs have a song called Control Alt Right Delete. <laughs> All these funk oh, songs yeah. in there. Song. It's like it's like making a song called Kefefi or something like that. It's like by the time yes. it's like gets a, it's like such a fucking short lifespan on it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Or or like actually Bad Religion themselves. They recorded a song called I Love My Computer and it just screams Y2K era internet speak, you know. Yeah, that that's a 
that's that's a little bit of foresight i think more bands need to have where it's just like hey how about you don't write three songs on your album about monica Lewinsky or something like that it's, uh, you know, <laughs> yes you know you want you want timeless uh things uh, that, that will go back like I, I don't know but that maybe that's just me but yeah any alt-right pun is just bad uh just <laughs> yeah bad. exactly <laughs> yeah if if someone would pitch that pitch that to you guys it'd be like no thanks oh yeah <laughs> It's very punk. It's very punk, though. Like, punk has a big history of, like, I made this one stupid joke at band practice, and now it's a permanent song, and, you know, now it's a hit, and now we're going to play it for 40 years. It reminds me of bands with, with names like Reagan Youth. Like, you know yeah. that's going to expire, right? Yeah. It's like the that was one of the... Um, Fred Armisen came on our, our podcast, and I was looking through all of his old stuff or whatever, and one of my favorite things was, like, the Crisis of Conformity uh, demo that he recorded, which is, like, a satire of hardcore bands uh, based around that sketch uh, wedding band reunion on SNL. Yeah. And uh, yeah. in that one, he goes, like, you hear that, Alexander Hag? And I thought that that was the, 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 <laughs> the best line because it's just, like, you know, this, like, weird, obscure, super timely thing that's not going to last forever. <laughs> <laughs> like calling out particular DJs and shit. In Fist Fight in the parking lot, like the opening line is like when Ronald Reagan comes to town and you're just like, yeah. God damn it, that's funny stuff. Yeah. Like of yeah. course. <laughs> so Alexander Haig was a uh, former United States Secretary of State. This is so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was actually, you know, uh, I, I saw a, a an article written by somebody that was like, Fred Armisen sucks. And it was like a takedown of like Fred Armisen, why he's not funny. And everything they were listing was like, this is exactly why I find him funny. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it's like, he's got these super obscure references that only like four people get. And it's like, cool. I'm glad I'm one of those four people because I fucking enjoyed it, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone on our facebook post said like this guy is not funny and then there's a couple of people arguing back and forth and then someone just posted a gif of him and in that gif he made me fucking bust up laughing and i'm like i guess it's just like a subjective thing we're like like it, he didn't even need audio or sound and all he needed was two seconds and he did it with a facial expression and i just fucking <laughs> was cracking up dying i think he's like the funniest guy <laughs> It is interesting when people criticize like I didn't understand it, therefore it isn't funny. It's like you're giving an you're giving an artist shit for not being Gallagher or whatever. Yeah. If if they're not really broadly appealing, they're not funny. Like that's bullshit. Yeah. I kinda hate that about doing hard times. Yeah, yeah. We've we've had that 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 problem with like the hard times where it's just like uh like do we like what we call our like bread and butter articles are like the deep reference stuff you know it's just like okay this this will be a hit with like the core fan base but then it's just like you have these easy like softball jokes that will do so much better than them like we don't want this to be the fucking direction we go like this is <laughs> not this is not happy this is not good for our soul um uh, but you know having done stand-up comedy for a, a while myself like that's a big thing like a lot of stand-up comics will talk about like if you appeal to everybody then you're bad you know you're just bad so is there like a certain ratio of of headlines you feel like you need to put out that are kind of broad though as opposed to the ones that are more obscure uh, uh we we talked a little bit about like hey we haven't done something like that in a little while but it's more just like by gut we don't have like a mathematic sort of thing down the one thing that i would say about all the like people not understanding our jokes is i think a few times it's helped us out because i think sometimes we go for something and we just completely miss like there's one particular joke i don't remember <laughs> what it was but 
I, it came out and I was like, Bill, what is this about? And I think Bill was like, I don't know. Like, I thought you liked that one or something. And I was like, I don't even understand what's supposed to say. And, like, we had written this article somehow. It, like, slipped through the cracks where just none of us knew what it was. But when we do stuff like that, I think people go, oh, I just don't get the reference. <laughs> so, so, like, people people think that we're referencing, like, this, oh, they're so fucking niche, man. They're so deep. But really, we just messed up. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys have made a pretty bold promise regarding your your Patreon. You said that if you get a thousand patrons, you're going to do something pretty drastic. <laughs> you know, people are going to hold you to this, right? Yeah. I mean, we'll see if we ever get there. Yeah, we're we're in no threat of that happening anytime soon. So, uh... <laughs> Jeff, do you know what I'm talking no, about? No, no. What's the What's the uh, well, what's what tier are we talking here? Well, the the quote says, if we reach a thousand patrons, we will release a headline so bad, so unpublishable, so too <laughs> oh, soon, right. so this ain't it, chief, so not funny that it will destroy the website for good. We all die someday. We just don't know when. But because of this headline, we know the hard times dies the day after we reach 1000 patrons. OK, <laughs> we have the headline. We have the headline ready, too. So. Oh, no, shit. Do oh, you really? Yeah. Funny. It's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I love the charity habit. Well, so I think we just have the one album left, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, right. and actually, Matt, Matt, I have to thank you for this one because obviously I'm familiar with a lot of songs on this record, but I've never listened to the whole the whole album. I really loved it. Oh yeah. It's a. Uh, it's very. Yeah, it's exceptional. Yeah. I mean, uh, Bill wouldn't know this because he's real low IQ, but the Ramones uh, <laughs> are a very good band. Um, <laughs> Bill, you don't like, no, you don't like their remote. You don't like their remotes? I mean, so here's my I I don't have like a deep issue with the Ramones or anything, but to me, they're a little bit like bubblegum goofy. You know, they're just goofy to me. And but it's not like a type of goofy that I'm like a fan of. Um, mm. Like I I don't think they're a serious band. Uh, if that makes sense, like I, I think they're a novelty. Um, but I I recognize yeah, that their I contributions mean... to punk are extensive. That's a fair a fair criticism, I think. Yeah, it's that it's fair if you mean by like novelty, you mean like pioneers and uh, like the people who like invented <laughs> your lifestyle. And uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love the Ramones. Um, I had a Ramones haircut when I was younger. Uh, that's how much I was into them. Um, if I had to, I don't know. There's so many good Ramones songs. It's like, well, first of all, there's only one Ramones song, right? They all sound the same. So just pick any of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's a really good the book we're coming out with. There's a really good uh, Ramones headline. Uh, let's let's uh, leak it here, Bill. What's the Ramones one? Uh, is it the one about the janitor? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hold on. Let me. I can bring it up so I don't butcher it because anytime I'm asked to recite a headline, it comes out um, backwards. Uh, I got, I'll I explain right the book really quick. I'll, ex- I'll explain the book really quick. It's as if the hard times has existed since 1976 and has been writing about punk ever since. And then it's all of our old <laughs> back catalog of articles. So we have articles about the Ramones and shit. What was, what was the headline, Bill? It is janitor at recording studio. Not sure why he also has to change name to Ramon. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we got seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. And then the, the back half of the book is the, the best of, uh, of the, the website that's been on there. So, uh, about half, half the book is brand new material, never before seen. And, uh, yeah, the, the rest is all the favorites that people have been begging to say, Hey, do you guys have a book? And I'm like, well, we do now. So shut up. 
Uh, I the only Ramones thing I have to offer is that I saw them live once uh, at a Lollapalooza of all places, and I can't think of a, a a worse place to see a band like the Ramones, in the middle of the day in Irvine. What year was it? Uh, I want to say '96, mm. something like that. I wish I I wish I would have seen the Ramones. Well, I uh, I have two things. I, I I did see the Ramones once at the Hollywood Palladium. Uh, they were fine, but I had the best uh, street tacos I've ever had in my entire life. So that's why that concert sticks in my mind so much. <laughs> Joby, uh, Joby but, talks about these tacos every other episode, I think. They, they were so good. I mean, it was like two bucks for two tacos. They were deli- anyway. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, Matt, as a, as a drummer, I'm curious just because this uh, Road to Ruin was the album that where Marky took over for Tommy Ramone. Uh-huh. And to me, not knowing anything about drums... I would feel like the drummers would could be just interchangeable in the Ramones and it would make no difference. But do you do you have a preference or could you tell a difference in their style? Dude, they only have one song. They only have one drum yeah. beat. Like uh, <laughs> you could have a fucking monkey play that thing. I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> I, I would pay so much money to see the Ramones with so, a monkey. So yeah, just remember this is Matt's favorite band. He was talking about earlier, then giving me shit about not loving them all that much, and he's now he's just like, <laughs> yeah, they got one song. They fucking monkey could play them, uh, and I just happen to call them a novelty. <laughs> Bill, you can't you can't be an editor at a punk site and not have some reverence for the Ramones. It's just weird. I, I do. I do. Oh, so here's my favorite Ramones thing. They were on The Simpsons that one time. There we go. That's uh... yeah. Bill. I thought maybe you'd like this. Bill, we're doing an interview with the um, the singer of that Ned Flanders band. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, so this is uh, I quit. Uh, This is breaking news. Uh, uh, Yeah, dude, you heard it here. They called him. I said, "Which one is it?" And they said, "Head dead." He's a singer. (laughs) If he comes on and he's like in a character, like, "Oh, Oakley Doakley, there, podcasterinos," I'm gonna fucking jump through my computer and kill him. That's why. That's why I thought it'd be funny. Was like, you're not gonna get along. And and because you like the Simpsons so much, we're we've had too many guests on where we're like we get along with them and we all have similar ideas about things. It's time we just have someone that we don't like. It's time for me to get real angry at somebody. Yeah, I thought that they were just like <laughs> Mix I thought it up a little bit. I, I'm like confused. Like, are they putting out new music? Like, why are they doing yeah, fresh stuff? <laughs> They just re- released their second album, the sophomore album. <laughs> like uh... you would just think that the band would be a one album band. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you guys are curious what the uh, what the local like the what the live music scene is like here in Wichita, they just played here about two months ago. Did you see it? No, I didn't go see it. I <laughs> I uh, I passed. They just played San Diego's Well, and I also skipped it. So, <laughs> yep. I love it. I think it's so funny. I'll tell, I'll tell the guy that. Hey, man, you're going everywhere. None yeah. of my friends are going. <laughs> yeah, they all know you're coming. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, guys, we have something we we want to run by you. We're you know we're done with the the rundown of our picks and everything. But uh, there's a segment we do every week on the show. Uh, we we gamble. Uh, we have a what we call the Spotify wager, where we take a band and we bet what the most played song is from that band on Spotify. And oh, we were fun. wondering if you guys would like to uh, participate yeah, in that. Yeah, let's let's you, do, let's do it. Matt's a degenerate gambler, so he's going to say yes no matter what. So. <laughs> 
Well, you'd uh, you, you actually you'll be gambling for us, right, Joby? Is that the idea? Yeah. The, what happens is uh, the the winner of the bet gets to assign the loser an album that they have to listen to for the next week's <laughs> episode. So we have to review albums that are assigned to us like for instance uh, on our last episode i won so i told jeff he has to listen to saint anger by metallica (laughs) and he has to give a like a review of that on the next episode so you guys can pick an album to assign whoever loses the bet i'm definitely going to new ned flanders band album uh. (laughs) (laughs) and i will go with their first their first release so there you go either way (laughs) all right the state the stakes are set what band should we should we bet on? We, uh, you know, I, I actually did just see a funny headline on the Hard Times about Weezer. <laughs> Pinkerton was the second Weezer record of all time, <laughs> which I really enjoyed. Uh, we could do something like that, or we could do uh, a very unpunk band you guys think of, or anything I mean, really. I think Weezer would work. Why not Weezer? We'd... Yeah, sure. Weezer's Weezer's always a good one. Now, from the voice of experience, you, you have to remember it's not going to be necessarily their biggest hit. But what has gotten the most plays on Spotify? And I've learned over the over the years that we've been doing this, it's not always what you think. So it's a fickle bitch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Matt, what do you think is the most played Weezer song on Spotify? Oh wait, who's playing for who? I thought Matt and Bill were playing for you and I or something. Who's who's pl- I don't know what we're doing. Hell, what, I'm, what? I'm just happy I'm here. All right, wait. Here, which, whatever. Which one of you is which one of you is older? I'll play for you. Um, so, okay. I'm the old man. Okay, so I'm playing for you. Uh, and I'm going to say it's pork and beans. Pork and beans? Hmm. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> I think Bill just wants me to listen to Oakley Doakley. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, pork and beans was the biggest Weezer hit of the 2000s. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to go with the fucking sweater song, bro, because that's an easy win over pork and beans, right? <laughs> uh, am I off there? Uh, uh, <laughs> we'll find out huh? there's only one way to find out Jeff. <laughs> all right um well we may have to do this again because neither one of those songs are on the list okay, okay. are you serious <laughs> okay i'm changing my wait, i'm changing so, mine to uh to say it ain't so wait so how okay. how, oh, how, how how many names are on how many do you see listed here there's there 10, ten. like mm-hmm. um all right i'm gonna go hash pipe i got this i got it locked all up. right gotcha uh, well, at, at number nine is Hashpipe, and at number two is Say It Ain't So. Ooh, Christ. So, Suck on that belt! Pretty sure, pretty sure that makes Matt the winner, and therefore me the winner. <laughs> Joby. All right, so I'm listening to the new Oakley to Oakley. Sounds good. <laughs> so what, what was number one? Was it was it Buddy Holly? The number, number one is, this is what Joby was talking about. You can't count on anything. It's Island in the Sun. Mm. Oh man, Island well, in the Sun. Green wow. No, okay, so there's like weird shit that happens on Spotify where like if you listen to a band and then they come out with a new song or something happens and they're releasing whatever, like maybe they're in a movie, they will pump up a particular song to every single Weezer fan. Like they will blast it to you. Have you noticed that? So like not in this case, no. So like <laughs> if like like um it just happened to me like the new Pup album came out or something like that, and I was listening to Pup previously, and then, like, it blasted a particular song off their new album. Like, when I opened up Spotify, it said, like, check out this oh. new song. So I'm not 100% huh. sure that happened to Island in the Sun, but... Uh, yeah, Island kinda... in the Sun's, like, 15 years old, but it, it yeah. was in movies and stuff, so maybe that. Yeah, it's weird. Spotify's a weird thing. 
That's why exactly why I was trying to pick those later era Weezer songs that were their singles because of uh, some algorithm like that. I would have never picked anything yeah. off the Forgotten Green album. Joby, what would you have picked? Uh, you know, I probably I, I would have just shaken things up and just said uh, Africa just because it's been, you know, on the radio so much and everything. I would have just picked that. People won't stop talking about it. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Africa's number five right now. Um, it is. I'll read off. I'll read off the top ten just because we're talking about it. Uh, number one is Island of the Sun. Number two, Say It Ain't So. Three, Buddy Holly. Four, Beverly Hills. I was gonna. I was gonna pick Beverly Hills. Five, oh, Africa. So I was gonna pick Beverly Hills. Yeah. Six, Take on Me. Seven, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Eight, No Scrubs. Is that a Destiny or a TLC cover? Yeah, they put out an album of uh, covers here. What about a month ago? And this is their all-time played. It's weird, dude. It's called popular, but it's not all time plays because No Scrubs has three million plays, and Buddy Hall and uh, Hashpipe has thirty five million, but No Scrubs is eight, and Hashpipe is nine. Right, it's trending. Yeah, not not total plays. Yeah, yeah I, I want to revote because I think Pork and Beans would be number one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think so, man. <laughs> <laughs> say it ain't say it ain't so is fucking huge, right? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, the Blue Album's their best one. Uh, oops, did it, I accidentally typed in porn and beans. Um, <laughs> and something actually came up and it sounded bad. Uh, so Pork and Beans has 21 million views on YouTube, uh, and it is off of... Uh, no recounts, Bill, you lost! <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fine, that's fine. I'm okay with losing. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to... Well, yeah, you're okay with it. You don't have to listen to fucking Oakley Doakley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to listen to an album called Howdly Toodly. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. Yeah, good luck. Oh, I, I've listened to worse, believe me. Jeff made me listen to Nicki Minaj. I'm fine. Good luck, guys. This totally makes up for Megadeth and Saint Anger. Thank you so much, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Well, guys, that pretty much does it for us. Uh, you know, Matt, Bill, we want to thank you again for taking the time. I know you've been hitting a lot of podcasts. I want to thank you for taking the time to hit ours. Um, before we let you go, is there anything else you want to plug? Anything you want to tell our three listeners in uh, Germany? Germany? Yeah, so you German <laughs> freaks, uh, listen to the Fred Armisen podcast. We have last from last week. He makes fun of you nice and good. Um, yeah, he, he and, does. Uh, we have our podcast. It comes out every Thursday, wherever podcasts are downloaded. And, uh, you know, our website is always there at thehardtimes.net. Just go to the Apple store, click on every computer, leave those up, um, and, you know, do that sort of thing. We got we to gotta drive the numbers up. The podcast is called The Hard Times Podcast, so easy to find. Thanks for having us, guys. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye, baby. All right, everybody, that was it. That was our interview with Matt and Bill. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you're looking forward to more interviews. We're hoping to have some more interviews on. Matter of fact, here uh, in the next couple episodes, we are going to have a genuine, authentic Hispanic person. So you've got that to look forward to. <laughs> yes. I know I'm looking yep, forward to gonna... it. Yeah, uh, my friend Maria, who who will explain her ethnicity as, however she likes, she is a, a Mexican person. An American, uh, Mexican American, and uh, I, I feel like it's kind of hacky to do this, but I know Cinco de Mayo is coming up, so I thought, sure, why not? Right? Yeah. No, I, I think that's fine. I, I do. You, do you ever go out and drink or anything on Cinco de Mayo? Do you eat Mexican food? Do you do anything at all? 
No, I live in San Diego. Every day is Cinco de Mayo. Every day. I know. You, you lucky fucker, man. Uh. <laughs> Joby, I wanted to ask you, did you actually have also rants for this that you didn't? Because we didn't do that. Um, I, You know, let me think. I don't remember. I, I think I did. I, uh, Operation Ivy, I know, was one of my also rants. Um, okay. So I, I'm glad I didn't pick. Well, I guess. I don't know. It didn't matter. I guess if we'd have had crossover, it wouldn't have mattered. But. Well, we did, and it didn't matter, yeah. Uh, yeah, Operation Ivy would have been one. Um, I mean, I, I like the Circle Jerks fine, but not. I don't really know them well enough. I never listened to them a great deal that I would have actually picked them. Yeah. Not not especially. I knew you were going to pick Bad Religion, so I just decided not to even really look at them too much. Okay. Um, nah. All I really... I, I, didn't, I didn't go that deep, really, because I knew that we were going to be pressed for time, but I did... Like there's a there's an album by Greg Sage and and now that I'm in the middle of thinking about it I can't even remember where he's he's definitely from a punk band he did a solo album in '85 that I've always really liked even though it's hardly an, a punk album even though he's a punk guy and then I was gonna mention Nick Lowe and the Buzzcocks uh, so no no wager uh, all we gotta do is is talk a little a little closing ceremonies then yeah yeah so uh just we, we have to remind everyone especially after they've heard this this gem of an episode our, our very first interview remind them everyone to please subscribe get get the, the show automatically you don't even have to do anything i mean it's not like you guys want to be even busier than you already are be lazy hit the subscribe <laughs> button let us do the work for you uh you know if you're really that outgoing you could subscribe and with the time you save you could rate or review the podcast there you go look at that huh <laughs> multitasking just in case we have some new listeners brought to us by the hard times we are a, a weekly show um all about music if you haven't gathered that <laughs> that and uh we have new episodes out uh, almost every monday so please subscribe you know what else they should do is uh check out our reviews our concert photos and uh, all of our uh nonsense on our website killboardmusic.com that would that would be amazing because it's not just our photos but also uh, lily's uh, photos our our friend lily uh, there in san diego she god yep. i can't believe how many photos she takes man we only have a fraction of her photos on our website she is so busy man yeah uh, also though, um, a really good, uh, resource to have if you're on Spotify is, uh, for every episode, we have a companion playlist and that's, this episode is no exception. All of our picks from all four people on the show today are, uh, are right there waiting for you on our, on our Spotify account. That's, uh, that's, uh, the ringing ear on Spotify and that's killboringmusic.com, your ally in the crusade against boring music. I, I think it's safe to say this episode's playlist will be full of bangers and slappers. <laughs> and and songs that fuck apparently <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh joby we produce all our episodes ourselves, but our theme song was written by st louis's eat sleep catapult uh please look for their ep little did you know wherever you get your music and speaking of eat sleep catapult we don't have an unsigned artist on deck for today so we're going to serve up a little eat sleep catapult again the uh the most punk rock band we've ever used for our theme song easily <laughs> without Which, a doubt I mean, pop pop punk probably is a, is, a, yeah. is a more apt label right yeah and you know we I, they're so cool that it's like it, it's it's easy to give them shit because i know that they're they're okay with it yeah but they're actually you know i i really don't dislike them at all i hope it doesn't come across i hope i don't know I, i'm afraid that new any new listeners might think i'm just such a dick because they think i'm serious when i say stuff but no, I, I think they're, they're they're really cool. I I don't know uh, what their 
what their level of success actually is, but I mean, they really are better than a lot of other bands that we've heard. So they were one of our best unsigned artists last season, and they've won the they've won the uh, I guess you'd call it the privilege of being our, our intro music this season. They won the coveted Ringing Ear Unsigned Artist Award. Yeah, yeah. And if you are an unsigned artist, or if you know an unsigned artist, please send us your songs uh, to be featured in our spotlight, uh, which will resume in earnest next episode. Uh, uh, please hit us up at killbarnmusic.com slash contact. So uh, I guess that'll that'll about do it for us, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So uh, playing us out again is Eat Sleep Catapult uh, with a song called All the Same. This is Joby. And this is Jeff. We are reminding you, as always, keep fighting the good fight. Remember to reject the rudimentary. Slay the simple, murder the mundane. Kill the boring. And by God, be sure to keep your ears ringing. Uh, Joby, I was going to ask you, because uh, 